That's why we need strong leaders to step forward. Leaders who will do what's right instead of what's easy. Leaders who will fight for you. That's why I'm supporting Sherry Beasley for U.S. Senate. Happy Monday. You're watching the deal. This is the live deal election. I'm Ed Park, and I'm so glad you decided to come in and spend some time with us this evening. Uh, we're going to try to put the election, uh, midterm election, in the perspective. And of course, I have to have somebody to talk to. And you know who I always have to talk to. That's Val Atkinson. Hey, Val. Welcome back to the deal. Hello, Ed. Great to be back on this momentous occasion. <laughs> momentous is not the word for it, Val. I don't know. It, I, I, am, I have some trepidation. I have to be honest. Uh, I'm a little worried. Uh, uh, but before, before I talk about that, let, let's do some housekeeping. Today is Monday, the 7th of November. Tomorrow's election day. If you haven't already voted, I'm, I'm not going to you know, get on you too bad because you still have the opportunity to do it tomorrow. So please do that. Let's get that out of the way. This is the deal. That's Val Atkinson. I'm Ed Clark. We're normally here on Saturdays, but we decided to do this election eve special because we think it's so important to talk about what's at stake here. And, and so that's what we're going to do tonight is talk about the election uh, as best we can and try to put things into perspective. Uh, so uh, as we always do, I throw out a question to Val right away. Val, tell me what the outcome is going to be tomorrow. Will the Democrat, now I know this, the, that's the loaded question and that may be the big question, but we'll deal with some specific races. But overall, what's going to happen tomorrow? My prediction, Ed, and thank you for that uh, really softball question. That's what I consider it to be. Uh, I believe uh, that the Democratic Party will hold on to the Senate. I think it'll end up just like it started, 50-50, with Kamala uh, Harris being there to break the tie. The House is more tenuous. Right now, if things go the way they do, uh, the Republicans may come out with a small advantage, turning the House over uh, to Republican hands. Uh, as far as uh, gubernatorial races are concerned around the country, I think the most important one that we're looking at right now are in Georgia and in New York. And uh, I look to hold on to the governorship in New York, and I look for the Republicans to hold on to the governorship in Georgia. Uh, other than that, I think we may be in for a surprise or two here or there, and I think uh, we can't get away from understanding that there will be no winner in the senatorial race in Georgia uh, tomorrow night because neither candidate, I don't feel, will reach the 50% plus one plateau, uh, which means the other candidate can call for a runoff. And I think that's what will happen, regardless of who wins 48.6 or 47 percent, uh, it's going to be a runoff. And that's when all marbles are on the table. Uh, it'll be a knockdown, drag out battle. And I'm not in a position to say who will win uh, in that runoff, but I think it will be a runoff. Well, the only thing I think you're probably more certain of is that you're going to win the $1.9 billion in the lottery. <laughs> Tomorrow, Val. I mean, you know, this, this Georgia race uh, gives me a lot of consternation. I, I actually have a clip uh, about that Georgia race, and that's a good place to start because I do want to talk about some other national races before we come back here to North Carolina and talk about Sherry Beasley. Let me see if I can get that clip uh, queued up for us. Well, Yasmin, it is a neck and neck race for the U.S. Senate between Democratic incumbent. Uh, Raphael Warnock and the Republican challenger Herschel Walker. Let's put this polling average up on the screen. It is now within two-tenths of a percentage point with Walker down the final stretch, uh, closing the gap quite dramatically. Early voting in the state ended yesterday, and it has broken records. Two and a half million Georgians cast their ballot early. That's according to the Secretary of State's office. Uh, it breaks down with an advantage of 49 percent for Democrats to 42 percent Republicans. About 70 percent of them are uh, 50 and up. Uh, most of them are women, 56 percent uh, to 
44% men. Now, there are a few things down the stretch looking to Election Day that will decide which of these candidates ultimately prevails. The first is turnout. Uh, how are the red rural areas going to turn out? That's MAGA country. Republicans need that. Uh, the Democrats, are they going to be able to produce the same kind of strong turnout that they showed uh, last cycle, which was crucial to their victory in uh, 2020? And then Hey, Val. So I, I was down in Georgia uh, a couple of weeks ago in in red, <laughs> red MAGA country, Georgia. I, I was scared for my life in a, in a couple of those towns, to tell you the truth. Uh, but on a serious note, uh, I saw so many Kemp signs. I didn't see as many Walker signs as I thought I would have. Uh, uh, is it a matter of Republicans holding their nose to vote for Walker because they know that the outcome is what they're after, that they just want to hold on to the Senate. And if a, if a, a chimpanzee and a zebra or their choices, you know, uh, they would choose either one if they were had a Republican attached to them. Is that what we're talking about here in Georgia? Absolutely. Uh, unequivocally, no doubts about it. Uh, Republicans are very pragmatic. Uh, in this race, Ed, they know when they go to the polls that they are voting uh, for control of the Senate. You know, simple as that, just as plain, fair and square as that. They're voting for Mitch McConnell to be uh, the, the leader of the U.S. Senate. Too often we find Democrats are going there trying to figure out why Warnock is going to be a better senator than Herschel Walker, and Herschel Walker can't talk, and he's this, that, and the other. They are not getting to the real point. You need to tell people what this race is about. The race is about who will control uh, half of the legislative branch of, of the United States government. Just as simple as that. Uh, Republicans understand that, I think, better than Democrats do. That's why they can hold their nose, as you say, and vote for Herschel Walker. It doesn't matter who the person is, because once that person takes their seat in the U.S. Senate, they'll have just about, about as much authority in the U.S. Senate as you and I do, Ed. They'll sit on the back row and they'll act as Mitch McConnell tells them to act. So all of these things about, well, I'm going to do this for you if, when you send me to Washington and I'm going to stop this and uh, close your ears, don't even listen to that because it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Uh, and Republicans understand that that's why they can vote for a person like Herschel Walker, because they know they're not voting for Herschel Walker, the Nobel Peace Prize winner for uh, nuclear fission. They are voting for Herschel Walker the mark on the wall that gives the Republicans one more senator. So all of the mental gaffes and the misstatements and the mispronunciation of words and all that, that it doesn't mean a thing to them. They're voting for control of the Senate. Yeah. And we need to understand that. And the checks for paid for abortions and all that stuff doesn't really count, does it, Val? No, no, it doesn't. Hey, you it know what? It doesn't mean a thing. You know, uh, if you, know, you should see a banner at the bottom of the screen now. It says, if you want to participate, you can leave us a comment on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, or on the website, uh, thedealwithedclark.com. Uh, you can send me an email, edclark at thedealwithedclark.com. I do want to encourage you guys. Um, we do have a podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to that podcast feed at the website. You can also go to Stitcher, Spotify, any of those platforms and subscribe. Uh, we'll be doing some more of these lives, um, at, you know, when things come up. And we felt it was important tonight to, to do a live. We don't normally do those, uh, but uh, we're here tonight uh, regardless. So if you want to participate, we by all means send us a comment on one of those platforms. So, Val, um, you know, the other aspect of this is um, there are other Senate races that also uh, hold the, you know, as much weight as that Warnock one. I can think of Fetterman Oz. I can think of uh, Kelly out in Arizona, uh, where they keep saying the race is tightening. 
we, we've heard that in the Val Deming in Marco Rubio race, and we've heard it in the Sherry Beasley Ted Bud race here in North Carolina. So let, let's let's come home uh, for a second. Let's talk about Sherry Beasley. But before we do, I got a clip I want you to look at, and then we can talk about. It. What's your final message to voters? You know, we're feeling really great. There's a lot of energy uh, all across North Carolina. We have 100 counties. We've been there. We've been talking with voters. We're seeing really great uh, positive indicators in the early voting. We're really excited. And the final message really is there is a clear choice in this race. I really want to move us forward. Uh, he wants to move us backwards. Uh, I really want to fight hard to lower costs, uh, and he wants to make corporate pro profits. Uh, I really want to fight hard to protect our democracy, and he wants to undermine it. I want to fight for folks here in North Carolina, and he wants to fight for corporations and for himself. So, Val, that's Sherry Beasley. Um, uh, by all accounts, that race is close as well. Uh, Ted Budd is a Donald Trump acolyte. Uh, he he is running uh, as the Donald Trump candidate. But one of the interesting things I saw with Ted Budd over the last two weeks is that his ads changed a lot. He started uh, doing something a little bit different, which was not calling uh, Beasley a child molester. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he softened it a little bit and said, hey, you just need to vote for Ted Budd because he's a good guy. Uh, and you saw that with a lot of Republicans in a lot of places who have been doing the, sort of the nasty ad and then within the last couple of weeks, you know, change. Uh, what's your assessment of that Beasley Bud race? And and let me ask you to start here first, because I, I don't want to, you know, have to do a postmortem a week from now and say she should have, would have, could have done this. Tell me first what you think about how she's run the campaign and her people have run the campaign, and then tell me where, where we are with the campaign. Well, I think that uh, the Beasley campaign got out of the gate a little slow. Uh, I think she is where she should be now. I think it was unnecessary that she lost some momentum in the beginning uh, because either they weren't prepared or they had a flawed uh, campaign strategy as far as timing is concerned. And because of that, it's a much tighter race than it should be. She should be five, six, seven points ahead right now. Uh, but uh, she didn't come out on the offensive soon enough. Uh, she should have come out on the offensive and she should have attacked hard. She should have made Bud play defense for a while. She allowed him to get his act together, strategize, and come out and play nothing but offense, which means she had to play defense for a while. And it made her sound and look weak. So those are the bad things about the campaign that uh, Easley's campaigners ran. Uh, the good thing is that they are really up on TV late and uh, many Democrats don't do that. You've got to be up late. You don't want people asking, where is candidate X? So I haven't seen candidate Y in a while. So that's the good thing that they are doing. They're up on TV, as is called in business, and they're up late. So if that uh, turns out to be uh, the winning quotient, I think we can take our hats off to that decision, whoever made that. But right now, as it stands, uh, I am going out on the limb, Ed, and I'm going to say it's going to be Beasley and a squeaker. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, again, two things you can count on. Val Atkinson predicted the lottery tomorrow uh, or tonight. Uh, uh, I, I, I am I'm hopeful, Val. I, I think uh, clearly, you know, to me, Beasley – is a better candidate. Uh, she should have won, you know, when she ran for a Supreme Court re-election the last time, but uh, the Republicans were able to go in there and massacre the courts in North Carolina. One of the things, though, that, and and I'll go ahead and make my criticism now, like I said, I don't want to do it a, a, a week from now. Uh, I agree with you that I thought that they were a bit tepid at the beginning and, and did not go as aggressive I would have. 
you've been in uh, electoral politics a long time, Val. You've been a consultant and all that, that kind of thing. Uh, my assessment is that they have glommed onto the strategy that you only go for those middle voters. You don't want to antagonize anybody and so on and so forth because they say that the electorate's already divided and there's no need to go after people on your side. But I think this is a bit of a misreading. So here's the question. Uh, you got to get people to the polls. So you got to get people excited about coming. Is it a missed opportunity for the Democrats? Uh, because they need turnout. Republicans always go, right? Uh, regardless. And they're only 30 some percent of the electorate, but they always go. What do you what are you hearing about the enthusiasm on the Democratic side? Will there be enough people to go out for the Democrats? I think the enthusiasm is up. Uh, I, I'm satisfied uh, with uh, where the level of enthusiasm is right now for Democratic voters in North Carolina in particular. Uh, I will not be surprised to find out that uh, this election may be a record setter as far as turnout is concerned uh, for all demographics in North Carolina. I, I think uh, African-Americans in particular are hearing the clarion call to come out and participate. Uh, I've gotten tons of calls from my friends, people I used to have to call all the time, now they're calling me. Uh, but at any rate, I, I see it, I feel it, I hear it. I, I think the enthusiasm is there. Now it's just a numbers game. Uh, African-Americans only make up 22% uh, of the population of the state of North Carolina and about 20% of the electorate. So we alone can't make it happen. Uh, so, but if we uh, join hands with our coalition partners and go out and pull the same lever uh, uh, for the Democratic candidate, we can be successful. There's no question. And to get back to your original question, I think the enthusiasm level is right where it needs to be right now. I don't like the fact that we started slow, but we're where we need to be. And I look for a mega turnout tomorrow night. Yeah. You know, the, that that number that I saw in Georgia, 2.5 million people early voted. I haven't seen the North Carolina number yet in some of the other states, but by all accounts, just about everybody's up in terms of uh, early voting. So that is that is something to be uh, uh, believed by. And maybe maybe we'll uh, uh, see the fruits of that. Uh, now, one other aspect of this, Val, is that we also know that there's still attempts to scare people and keep them from voting. And one of the places that's happening is in Florida. Ron DeSantis started arresting people. I got a clip I want you to look at, then we'll talk about it on the other side. Apparently, I, I guess you have a warrant? For what? I'm not it's sure. for voter stuff, man. For voters. It's, it's uh, what it uh, is. It, I think the agents with FDLE talked to you last week about some voter fraud, voter stuff, when you weren't supposed to be voting, maybe. I didn't. So, what are they talking they, about? That's what they, we're not the case agents, but what you got to do, they they have reduced your bond quite a bit. It, it's two felony charges for voter fraud, but they reduced it to five hundred dollar bonds. So it's a thousand dollars. Oh my god, man! What? So, the? Yes, sir. So unfortunately, right now we're gonna have to take you to jail. Wow, man. Don't to me. I didn't do nothing to nobody. Man. So Val, I mean, you know, the poor guy. He he was told that he could vote. He went down, registered. He he was able to vote. They gave him a ballot because he was a past felon. But they had the Rehabilitation Act there in Florida that allowed felons to vote. And and then so DeSantis, and you saw the date there starting in late August, started to arrest people. And they only managed to arrest about 20 people now. But but the message is clear is that you want to intimidate people not to come to the polls. Now, the other thing that's working in Florida is we just had that big hurricane. And I don't know how that's going to impact the vote because a lot of the area that was impacted is in uh, Republican strongholds. Have you heard anything out of Florida? Is DeSantis 
making any you know impact by trying to arrest people and scare people? And then what do you think? Uh, is there an opportunity in Florida or is Florida just becoming too red and, and it's a lost cause for the Democrats? Well, answer your first question first. I haven't heard anything uh, coming from Florida about uh, the impact of, of the hurricane, uh, Eon, and I haven't heard anything about whether or not uh, Republicans are, uh, the state of Florida is becoming super red. Uh, we do know that practically speaking, it is, it's not a phenomenon, it's just a matter of practical decision making. Florida is one of those states that doesn't charge state income taxes. And a lot of older people, especially from the Northeast, decide to move down to Florida for a couple of reasons. First of all, they got arthritis and they're tired of the cold weather on their bones. <laughs> and I can say that now because I'm an octogenarian, so I'm an old guy. But they're tired of the cold weather. The other thing is they want a little more money to go along with that Social Security check. And that little bit of money is money saved from having to pay state income taxes. So who are you getting down? What demographic group is this helping? The over 65, the over 55 group. That's always been strong. It's always been a dependable demographic when you start looking at voter turnout. So now all of these people are coming from the Northeast, uh, some of them coming from uh, the West Coast, uh, Upper West Coast, Washington and, and Oregon, and relocating in Florida for those two reasons that I just cited. And now their base is even larger. larger. So it appears that the state's getting redder but it's just a matter of economics and demographics. Yeah. You know, uh, that, that, that's all plausible. And, and I know that, um, you know, there's always been this talk about maybe Texas turning blue. I haven't heard much about Beto O'Rourke's uh, chances as for governor against Abbott lately. Uh, like I said, we mentioned Fetterman. We mentioned race over in, in Arizona as well with Kelly and whether or not he can maintain his seat in the Senate. Um, if you're watching, uh, we're glad you're here. This is the deal with Ed Clark. That's Val Atkinson. We're doing our election eve special, and we're talking about uh, what the uh, outcome is likely to be tomorrow. If you didn't join us at the very beginning, Val Atkinson has predicted that the Democrats will uh, surprise everybody. And in, in right here in our home state of North Carolina, that Sherry Beasley uh, will likely uh, be able to take that seat. And I hope Val's right. Um, so if you want to participate, again, leave us a comment. We'll be glad to take it. Give us some suggestions about people that we can have on the show in the future, so on and so forth. If you want to do more of these lives, then we can do those as well. Uh, Val, I do want to turn to the elephant in the room, which has been Donald Trump has been on the periphery of this. Thing. Barack Obama started going out campaigning uh, within the last week. He's been with a number of candidates. He's done an ad for Beasley. You saw in the lead into the it, the program here. Um, what's the effect, practical effect of Obama and Clinton and Joe Biden being out there on the stump? You know, it, it obviously is to get people excited or whatever. But how do you counter program against the Donald Trump? Uh, I mean, if you interview some of those people at the Trump rallies, they believe JFK Jr. is going to come back and be the president and that that uh, Joe Biden really isn't there and he's an avatar and that Nancy Pelosi's husband wasn't attacked and that one six didn't happen. How do you counter program against that? Obama's had some good lines in his stump speeches, but you're not campaigning to those people, are you? No, and you shouldn't be. And if you're trying to change their mind and bring them back to some measure of insanity, you're the one that's crazy. You shouldn't even be thinking about or programming and planning against those people. Can't be done. You need to be spending that time trying to figure out how can I get more souls to the polls? How can I get more feet on the street? How can I up my count when it comes to voter participation? That, that's the only thing you can do at this point 
we need to put our persuasion pencil down. We're not going to win any elections through persuasion in this cycle. We're not going to do that, not at this point. So all of the time they're spent trying to figure out, well, what, what can I tell those guys to make them believe that 1-6 actually happened? What can I show them to make them know that JFK Jr. is actually dead? What, what can I do? All of that time needs to be spent on how, what can we do to get more registered voters to the poll? How can we identify registered voters who may be unsure as to whether they want to vote or not? They're leaning toward voting, but they're not totally sure. What can we do to drag those people out to the poll? That's where you need to be spending your time. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to trying to convince uh, some uh, election denier that Joe Biden actually won. I mean, it's, you know, my favorite saying about that, Ed, it's like getting in an argument with uh, a guy who's got a PhD from MIT in mathematics, and you're trying to convince him that two and two really does equal four. (laughs) (laughs) You know, come on, when you're going to realize you're just, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that, Val, uh, I want people to take a look at uh, an ad here. If you haven't voted already, again, this is our election eve special. If you haven't voted already, I expect you to go out tomorrow and stand in line wherever you are uh, looking at us from and vote. But if you need information, let's take a look at this. My friends and I have been thinking about our reproductive rights, so we started talking about voting in the upcoming election. My friend told me she used vote411.org for her first time voting. It helped her figure out her voter registration, learn about candidates on her ballot, and more. She even made a personalized voter guide. And she didn't have to wait until election day to cast her vote. Vote 411 lets you know whether you can vote early, in person, or by mail in your state. Head to vote411.org today and make your plan to vote. So, Val, that's some practical information, vote411.org. But you can also go to thedealwithedclark.com. There's a link at the top for voter information. There's a whole bunch of voter guides, uh, not only for North Carolina, but there's a section where you can click and put in your state, and you'll get all the information about your state. And then you can put in your information, and it'll tell you who's on the ballot tomorrow in your area. So there's no excuse, Val. Uh, I, but one of the things that has happened I've talked to some younger people and they told me they weren't going to vote. And I said, why? And they were like, well, it it won't make any difference. And I'm not sure who's running or, well, it's not the president. Uh, How do we get people, Val, to believe and know that this is important to vote all the time, not just when it's president? Well, I, I, I think, and, mo- and most people will may disagree with me on what I'm about to say, Ed, but I think people like you and I are trying to close the barn door after the horse is gone. I think where this problem originates, where it germinates, is in our public school system with the understanding of civic lessons and how our government works and what it's supposed to do how it functions and your role in it. I don't know if that's going to mean getting more people to run for a board of education at your county level, uh, getting involved in your public schools, even at your city and town level, uh, and definitely talk about uh, public education at the state level. But that's where you start. And we need to start working on Uh, elections for 2032, for an example, we need to start on that this coming Wednesday morning. That's the day after the election. We need to start working on that to make sure people understand this system we got. That, yeah, we do have a a trilateral type of uh, federal system here. We got the legislative, the executive, and the judicial, and what all of that means and how it works and who gets to call the shots and why are the rules of the Senate and the House 
We need to start teaching that in school because it, Val and Ed can't come on with 24 hours left to go to when poll closing time comes and convince somebody that they should go to the poll to vote when none of the people that they hang around with vote or even talk about the electoral process. Uh, don't put all of that burden on Val Atkinson and Ed Clark. Yeah, because uh, I don't think it's going to have much of an effect. So I hope a candidate wasn't waiting for us to come on our election eve special uh, to, to, to get people out to vote, to tip the ballots. But, you know, one, one thing I, I do know, Val, I heard a statistic, Michael Moore was on a program, and he was talking about the fact that uh, Hillary would have won if only two more people per precinct had come out in Wisconsin and in Pennsylvania. Uh, and, and I've heard statistics around other elections where one or two people per precinct would have made a difference in an election. So I do want people to be mindful that their vote does count. Now, before we run out of time, Val, I want to talk about the, the other elephant in the room, the existential, existential crisis that we're facing, that uh, a lot of people have been talking about civil war. They've been talking about the end of democracy and all that other stuff. Uh, say we wake up on Wednesday morning and the Republicans do have the House and they have the Senate and now there's a deadlock and Joe Biden can't do anything. And then McCarthy starts drawing up impeachment uh, stuff on Joe Biden for whatever made up reason. Uh, what happens to America? Then I know it's a big question, but I, I, I know that. And I say it all the time, and people who know me know I believe this. I, I think there's fascist tendencies among a lot of Americans, and it's always been that way. And 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 what we've been doing is, you know, being able to hold that at bay for as long as we could. And, and we see that there are some people who are willing to kill other people. Right? So talk to me real quick about what happens if the Republicans win the House. Well, Ed, if Republicans are successful at taking back the House and McCarthy becomes Speaker, uh, it's going to be highly problematic. Uh, there'll be a lot of people who will become disappointed in the electoral process. There are people out there who've never voted before who, who think that because they voted, they should get something for it, maybe even a victory, and they don't get victories. Uh, and uh, that's the way democracy works. Uh, so we're going to lose a few of them. But every year there are more 18-year-olds coming on board, uh, becoming eligible to vote. So what we've got to make sure of is that the people that uh, jettison the uh, political uh, process in the United States of America are replaced by new people who want to participate in that. And we should not worry about that at all. But I think that uh, America is in for a tough role to hold if uh, McCarthy becomes speaker. Uh, because all of the wonderful things that Joe Biden has talked about doing, you can forget those. And they won't happen at least for another two years. And maybe even longer. And I'm going to need your help on this last one, Ed. There was a, a gentleman running for Senate. I, I'm sorry, running for governor uh, uh, as a Republican that made the statement that if he's elected governor, uh, Republicans will never lose another race in his state. Uh, maybe you could help me with that yeah. one. Yeah, that was Mastriano up in, in uh, Pennsylvania. and then uh, But we've heard similar talk from a lot of other Republicans. Val. Right. And so I, I think I think this, I said that to say that the whole system that we have now is set up to give the various state legislatures an inordinate amount of power. And it, the only thing we had stopping that was what I call districtless elections. They are gubernatorial election, senatorial election, and presidential election. And if we have people that are in the business of certifying those elections, 
governors, secretaries of state, uh, those kinds of people who've decided that any uh, race that they don't win uh, will not be certified, democracy is gone. Yeah, And people will start asking the question, why should I vote? Uh, they've already told us who the winner ain't going to be. Yeah. So, so why should I vote? And it's going to get even worse if that happens. Uh, so we better be prepared for either eventuality. Yeah, I, and and I'm trying to get myself in the right headspace uh, for uh, McCarthy being Speaker of the House. I, I just I just don't want it to happen. I, I think we we grind to a halt. Uh, in, I just don't see anything good coming from that. Now, of course, they say the same thing about us, right? They say progressives and Democrats have ruined the country, blah, blah, blah. But uh, if you look at the numbers, Val, uh, gas prices are down. Unemployment has stayed low. Uh, you can go through the litany of things. Um, and and what, was there ever an opportunity for Democrats to talk about the achievements that they made, you know, we we have worked our way sort of out of this COVID mess. We've heard video, we've heard audio tape of Donald Trump saying, I, I didn't want to deal with COVID because it was going to cost me the election. I, I didn't want to talk about it. He's told Bob Woodward that in no uncertain terms. And the Democrats have had a lot of success. The one thing that the Republicans did have under Donald Trump was they, they took over the court. Uh, they took over the court, Val, and, and, and them taking over the court uh, was significant. So t talk to me about uh, this last piece of it that I want to talk about is uh, we know that Clarence Thomas is sitting there willing to help Donald Trump out. His wife was trying to get Donald Trump not reelected because he lost the election, but reinserted as president. What what in the world, Val? What 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 what's what's going to happen here if this thing, some of these elections get thrown into the court? Will we have a problem with somebody like Clarence Thomas? We just might, because there's no rule in the judiciary uh, that mandates that a particular justice recuses him or herself uh, for any reason whatsoever. So we can't make Clarence Thomas sit down, step down and not hear a case. And even if he did, the Republicans would still have a five to four majority. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, five to three majority at that time. Uh, but I think that in the case of, of uh, Clarence Thomas and Donald Trump, I think we need to worry more about the governors and secretaries of state uh, and uh, House and Senate uh, people at the state level. We need to worry about those things right now a little bit more than Clarence Thomas. And the reason I say that is these people can place themselves in positions that the 2024 presidential election is a foregone conclusion that it won't matter because they will have people all the way up and down the line. And they got their uh, people in place. Uh, and if you're a chess player, what they've done, they've set their bishops and rooks and knights up and their next move is going to be checkmate. They've set this thing up with a 63 majority uh, in the judiciary. Uh, with state legislatures having most all the power. And we got a case coming up, Moore v. Harper, that the uh, Supreme Court's got to hear. And if Moore wins that particular case, uh, the legislatures in the state governments uh, will reign supreme over the other two branches of government. Uh, so that means that you have secretaries of state, governors, legislatures at the state level, and you'll have the Supreme Court at the national level, and uh, they will control who wins regardless of who votes for what. And once you do that, then people are That same guy, Ed, that you talked to earlier is going to come back to you later and say, see now what I've been telling you? 
ain't no reason why should I vote. Yeah, they, they're gonna. Yeah, they, <laughs> he's gonna say I told you so. I told you so. I, hey Val, you know I I I I just want to say that uh, again, we're not gonna get probably get anybody to go vote that wasn't already uh, predisposed to vote. Uh, what I what I was hoping to do with the election eve special was to provoke people to get to somebody who may not vote. Pick up the phone, call your kids, call your nieces, nephews, call your cousins, coworkers, whatever. And and if they haven't voted, you know, encourage them to get out tomorrow and vote. Uh, we know that all elections are important, but this one seems particularly important, and that's the reason why we're here. Uh, well, one, one of the things we can give them, Ed, is two questions. We're not just going to tell them to call people. Call people and ask them, first of all, are, have you reg are you registered to vote? And if they tell you yes, ask them, have you already voted? And if they say no, then the door opens for you to talk to them about getting to the poll. Now, if they answer no to the first question, uh, case closed. Right. Yeah. You don't need to talk to them any further. If they answer yes to the second question that I've already voted, you don't need to talk to them anymore. Yeah. But if you get to that third question, I mean, that, that's a good way to go. Instead of you on the phone for 15, 20 minutes, harming and hemming and talking around the bush and that kind of thing. Just get right to it. Are you registered to vote? Have you already voted? Yeah. It's simple. What we call closed end questions that require a yes or no answer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Val. You know, uh, you, if you're watching this, this is The Deal with Ed Clark and Val Atkinson. We're normally here on Saturday mornings. Uh, you can also catch our podcast uh, at Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever, whatever platform you prefer. Subscribe to that. Tell other people about it and subscribe. We have good guests on. We talk about really important topics. And, and we'd like to expand the show and have other things to talk about. So if you have ideas, we're always open to that. You can always email me at ed at the deal with edclark.com. If you want to talk to Val, you can email Val at the deal with, with edclark.com or uh, ncblackvote at gmail.com is the other place you can catch us. Uh, for the next uh, little bit, you'll be able to catch somebody named Val Atkinson on a show called Connections on Foxy 107-104, and uh, I'd be remiss not to talk about it, Val, because everybody may not know, because some people may be joining this who don't know. You've been on a show called Connections for uh, damn near 30 years, maybe longer than 30 years. Talk to us real quick about uh, Connections, and then you got some news about Connections. Well, as you said, Ed, uh, I started hosting Connections uh, back in January of 1990. So uh, we, we are hosting a Christmas show this year, uh, which will be the last uh, show for the month of December. Our shows air on Sundays. Uh, and because that's the last show for the year 2022, and I started with the first show of 1990, that will make exactly 20. 33 years, I'm sorry, 33 years on the air. And uh, I'm, I'm getting a little long in the tooth. And uh, But more importantly, I decided to step away for someone who uh, long, long deserved to have a promotion and do well in this business. And I speak of none other uh, than my good friend and, 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 and co-worker here, Ed Clark. Ed is going to be hosting Connections, uh, starting with the January show of, of 2023. And from time to time, I'll be in the background uh, uh, helping and listening and doing whatever. But I will officially retire from hosting Connections uh, as of December the 25th of this particular year. And I will you can pick me up right here on the deal with Ed Clark. Uh, I will spend my time uh, working with Ed from this point on, still be in the journalism broadcasting business. And I've been, I've been, it's been a great ride, Ed. Uh, a lot of people don't get an opportunity uh, 
to walk out uh, on the high side uh, when they're doing well. Some of them get shown the door. Some of them get given their hats or whatever. And I am very fortunate and lucky to say that neither of those kinds of things happened. I made it my, it was my own decision. And one of my main motivators was because of, of my co-host, who which will be the host of Connections in the Future, Ed Clark. And I want to thank you, buddy, for all you've done for Connections and for me over the years. Well, the check's in the mail. Uh, <laughs> I will uh, I will accept uh, uh, any kind of gratuity. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, so again, folks, uh, you can catch uh, Connections on Sundays at 8 a.m. on uh, Foxy 107-104 in the Triangle area if you do terrestrial radio still. If you do the internet, uh, you can do it uh, at uh, Urban One or Radio One or uh, FoxyNC.com and get the live stream on that. And then, of course, like I've been uh, advertising all night, you can go to TheDealWithEdClark.com. You can subscribe to the podcast feed. You can go to any of the podcast platforms, subscribe. Please let people know. Please participate. Uh, again, we do this out of, you know, because we, we feel like it's important. I know there's a lot of other things going on, Val. So this is the last thing I'm going to force you to talk about tonight. Uh, a, a lot of people know that you're a dookie, which is unfortunate. You, you, <laughs> uh, but you got to like somebody. And, and, and there's this one guy that went to Duke who plays for the Brooklyn Dips. His name is Kyrie Irving. And Mr. Irving has found himself in a pickle uh, because of some of his beliefs. I mean, people used to make fun of him about, you know, flat earth and that kind of stuff. He's done some kind of weird stuff. He wouldn't get vaccinated for COVID, you know, whatever. But now he's in a bit of hot water over what people perceive to be anti-Semitic statements. I don't, I don't necessarily want to delve too deep into that because we've been trying to talk about the election. But what I think where it is a crossover here, and, and with Kanye as well, is that uh, People are upset all the time in America, right? I mean, there's always something to be upset about. Uh, and, 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 and sometimes people make statements about things and, and maybe coming from a position where they have some personal experience, but also from some misinformed, maybe uh, information or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, talk to me about this upset in America, the general upset in America, how Everybody seems to be upset all the freaking time about every freaking thing. And nobody can say anything about anything without people being uh, upset. And I'm not even going to talk, call it canceling or cancel culture or whatever. I just think there's a heightened sensitivity to everything. But some people can say stuff and there's no repercussions. And, and, and I'll go back to where we started, which is this election cycle some of the folks on the Republican side have been saying some very crazy things. Like I said, about JFK Jr. and 9-11 didn't happen. And you can go down the list of all kinds of stuff, and there seems to be no repercussions, but uh, there's repercussions for other people. Can we work our way out of this, Val? We better be able to uh, work our way out because the alternative is not good. It's uh, unsustainable. Uh, but I, I want to get back to what you started with, uh, people like Kyrie Irving and Yee, as he calls himself now. You know, oftentimes, Ed, people who rush to stardom and fame, uh, they have mentors uh, and tutors along the way. But oftentimes, these mentors concentrate on the thing that's going to uh, increase their popularity and their fame, such as being a better basketball player or being a better rap artist or whatever. And they forget those things that you and I learn because we don't have those basketball skills. Uh, and and we, we, we are not entertainers in terms of the music business. So people that mentored us as we came along always had time to say, hey, you know, watch what you say and who you're talking about. There are always going to be people out there trying to drag you down. So be careful what you say and make sure you are able to defend whatever you say. Messages like that 
seemed to have eluded people like Kyrie Irving. Nobody was in his ear saying, okay, Kyrie, this is what we can't do. This is how we're going to handle this. I don't want you saying anything about X without calling me first uh, or whatever. There was nobody there to do that for them. And now the next thing you know, and you just quoted them uh, talking about the Flat Earth Society and the COVID uh, vaccine and now the anti-Semitic charge. And, you know, there could be more to come, but there is nobody to rein him in. And there have been lots of people that have had stellar entertainment careers that have gone bust because of social malfeasance and inability to fit in. So uh, I hope he's not thinking that his basketball prowess and skills is going to protect him from all of those things that society considers uh, not good. Yeah, well, all he needs to do is call Colin Kaepernick, and Colin didn't even say anything bad. And he's never returned to the NFL and not to return I don't believe Val. So I mean, I I think I can I can call it. Hey, guess what? I hear some music. That means we're at the end of the program. I want to thank you guys for coming into the election eve special. Uh, joining me and Val. Uh, join us on Saturday for a regular edition of the deal with Ed Clark. And in the meantime, if you haven't voted, go vote. Like Val said, if you're not registered, I ain't got nothing to say to you. Uh, but if you are, you haven't voted already, go vote tomorrow. And we'll see you back here Saturday on The Deal. See you. Good night. That's why we need strong leaders to step forward. Leaders who will do what's right instead of what's easy. Leaders who will fight for you. That's why I'm supporting Sherry Beasley for U.S. Senate.